it's really, really mm-hmm. helpful whether you volunteer, you work, you're, you're in relationships, super, super helpful. And then yeah. the third thing I would say, since you asked me for three, <laughs> the third thing <laughs> I would say is um, no matter what you do in this world, no matter how you move forward, you get to choose how you face it. It's just changed everything in my life. Every single person has a gift to offer the world. And what does that look like? How can we inspire people to do that? Grab onto that and and be anchored in that because um, their fulfillment lies in their identity, not in their actions. You can kind of sort of BS everybody else. It's that kind of thing where you know if you're on it or not. Wake up and clean the slate. And you don't have to believe the lies that people have told you. You're not living that to its potential. It's a waste. Welcome to the Forgotten Art Project. My name is David. And I'm Shara. We are so excited to be here today. Thank you for joining us. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are concluding season one with this episode. Yay. It's been such an incredible experience. We have so enjoyed speaking with our amazing guests. And we really appreciate the support of all of our listeners and those who have subscribed either on iTunes or Podbean or Spotify. So thank you for listening. And we are really looking forward to season two. So stay tuned for the near future. That's going to be coming out later on. Thank you so much, everybody. And we are live. Well, good morning, and thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Sarah Simmons. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you this morning. Yay! Well, Sarah, you have a um, a very beautiful story. And before we get into some of the exciting things that you've been doing the last couple of years, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey and what you do and how you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I can ask a more more generous question (laughs) than that. But basically, yeah. What do you love? Sure. What do you... Okay, so my story, I will, I will try and boil it down a little bit, but the, the basis is that I love, I love the written word. I love everything to do with language. My entire life, I have been sort of that creative soul, and I love a turn of phrase. So I fell in love with language, just didn't know how to turn it into work. Um, because, of mm-hmm. course, when you go through college, about every quarter, somebody asks you what your destination is. Where is your compass pointed? What are you going to be doing? <laughs> and when I was in that space, I was actually very, very lucky um, to be on scholarships. It was that OCD overachiever A-plus student. <laughs> and and uh, everybody that, that got, um, you know, got the hard side of the bell curve, I love you. I am so sorry. But as I was moving through college... Um, I had that opportunity then to take um, a bunch of different electives and things, and I sort of danced across um, the spectrum, and I took music and literature and medieval literature and really fun things that lit me up. And what happened mm-hmm. when I came to my senior year, funny enough, because I am, I'm sort of the fall-into-place girl. I know life is just going to work out. And senior year, I started looking at the tally. How many literature classes had I taken? What else was out there? And I was about four credits away from graduating with an English degree. Lo and behold, I had found my path, but didn't know it. Oh, and wow. So you didn't declare. <laughs> no, I didn't declare. No, I don't like commitment. So I didn't declare until they knew me and said that I actually had to, I had to actually find, find some type of box to put myself in. And so it was super funny. And I graduated um, from Arizona State University with English degree writer in minor, or minor in writing. Wow. <laughs> I need my coffee as well this morning. It's <laughs> um, so I took that and I, I was laughing with Shara on a previous chat that we had. The idea that everyone heard that I had an English degree and said, oh, where will you be teaching? And it made me yeah. sort of bris- bristle a little bit, which is really funny yeah. to me. Because that wasn't the direction. I love teachers and education, nothing at all against it. But I knew that it wasn't my gifting. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I I moved forward and I said, darn it, I will find an amazing way to carve my own path in English 
and make it my career. And, and mm-hmm. I actually did. I was extremely lucky to fall into a video magazine. I did a ton of internships with, you know, everything from like the Arizona lottery, a real estate company. I mean, literally like I was across the spectrum finally landed at a travel company working with GE, um, implementing their China and NBC travelers, you know, doing all the communications and onboarding. And then September 11th hit. And that changed the industry entirely. And I, I sort of retooled where I was headed. And I landed at a financial institution that was amazing. It was a large credit union. Now, that doesn't sound sexy to most people. But what I enjoyed about it was the fact that they were completely redoing their digital space. So I was learning literally from the ground up how to do digital communication, user experience, email, like everything that now is the heart of marketing and Mm. kept my training up, kept moving forward, you know, did all of that. And I positioned myself for an amazing job with a beauty company. I moved into a company called Philosophy. I was Mm. their global editorial manager for several years. And wow. that was amazing. Like every every girl who is slightly girly girl deep down, you know, you, you get really excited yeah. about skincare, beauty and fragrance. And the yeah. team there, oh my gosh, I can't even speak highly enough about the the amazing team that I had there. You know, a creative department of over a dozen people with designers and everybody's talking. And it's like, it was my space. I had found my home and mm. I loved it. Now, the funny mm. thing is, with all of that happening, I thought I'm on this path and I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to work out of Paris. Like these, these were the dreams that I had. Yep. But life is, <laughs> life is really funny when your dreams line up with your actual calling. Mm. And so my natural gifts were definitely being expressed. The ability to write and speak and move forward, kind of inspire other people through language. Um, But a lot of things shifted in my life. So 2004, my father passed away suddenly. He um, had Mm. a massive heart attack just outside of our home. And Mm. um, it it was a very, very interesting time for our family. And I say that from the standpoint that the patriarch of the family passes, the anchor, and you're suddenly adrift. Mm. And it was quite literally my best friend. Um, we would, mm-hmm. we just had this sort of, you know, from birth connection where we could laugh over the same things. And we both enjoyed drawing. We both enjoyed, you know, just getting into the word with God. There's just a lot of really cool things that overlapped and made us naturally synergistic. And That's so, so for unique. him to pass away. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it so is. Unique. Super you don't it's hear simple. that very often. That's just so unique to have that relationship with your father. I can't, I mean, there's maybe a handful of my female friends that can say something like that about their father. So that's just so beautiful. Sorry, I, I just have to point that no. out. That's such a beautiful thing. And it's so rare <laughs> nowadays. I mean, yeah, sorry, that just impacts me in a really big way. So continue. No, I'm sorry no, for interrupting. No, it's, well, it is it is very interesting because if you consider just pausing for a second, because I love the human psyche. I was big into anthropology, social structure, people watching. Like, I love how people tick. It's part of being a writer. You want to know their idiosyncrasies and sort of their character mm-hmm. traits. Mm-hmm. But my father was the source that would invite everyone into his office. There was never a closed door in his life. He would invite everybody in. He'd talk about anything. He just was, he was the ultimate in hospitality in the sense that he showed up to where people were mm. and that set an amazing tone for my life. And it actually, as I, as I learned, you know, during that, that trauma, traumatic period in my, in my life, as I learned, it's like, okay, not only has my anchor been taken away, my mother is, of mm. course, you know, my dear mother is dealing with the loss of her husband. I have five siblings, each of them at varying ages. And so as mm. the oldest, I'm stepping into a funeral home, no idea how to pay for it. No idea what you need to go through, how to arrange all of this, how to honor someone. It's very mm. sudden. You, you have to go through a viewing where you identify the individual that has passed. There's oh, stuff that no. happens that, yeah, you have to, there's a lot of things that people, we don't talk about, we don't talk about loss in this world because we don't want to face it. And yet we really need to so that we're not so shocked when mm. things happen. Yes. So during yes. during that time, as I'm trying to just hold on to my sense of you know equilibrium, 
I'm super thankful I had my faith. I would not have gotten through it if I didn't have my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. But as that was taking place, it sort of created a a domino effect. And I look at this, this is going to shock people when I say it. At the time, I could not have told you that I was going to survive as a person. I didn't know, I didn't know how to exist in a space where my father wasn't, but I had to. And so through that sort of necessity, I now look back on it and I see the benefit in it. Now that, that is going to be very alarming for some people. I can see the blessing in the sense that it has forced me to be more outgoing. It has made me more resilient. It has made me highly empathetic. Things that it has done to change me and transform me into honestly where I believe God wants me. And mm. through that process and learning, it also positioned me to deal with a lot of other loss in my life that came along. That's the dominoes. I had a friend, a beautiful, beautiful friend from Guatemala who, oh, just thinking about her, she lit up a room like rainbow color. Her personality was so vibrant that she had the ability to completely shift anyone's mood just through her smile and her hug. She's one of those people. And she mm-hmm. was unfortunately um, struck by a very aggressive cancer that took over all of her organs. Mm-hmm. And as, and I mean, we're talking maybe four to six months from the time mm-hmm. of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so myself and uh, several of my other friends that were exceedingly close with her, we, you know, we went through the process of treatment and getting things from her house and understanding hospice and final rights. And how do you, how do you get someone who's in the U S to their home after they've passed? Like all of the things that go into that life transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just continued. God continued to put me in spaces where you know, all of my grandparents passed away. My aunt suddenly passed away in surgery. Things that that just continue to move forward that I could sit here and say, you know, made me melancholy and that I decided to be dejected from the world and shut myself down. And I wouldn't judge anybody, you know what I mean? Like things yeah. that can level you, as they say. But mm. I'm just super thankful that that wasn't the case. That wasn't his plan for me. His plan mm. for me was to ignite this spark of hope that exists deeply in the core of who I am and to drive me to show up for other people who are in that space. And it was the most magical gift that he has ever bestowed upon me because it now enables me to look at life completely different. It inspired my book, The World Needs Hope, where I got together like 19 other people with their stories, their stories Mm -hmm. of their kids going through cancer, their friends, you know, dealing with with true life struggles and you know insecurities and all the things that things that the book contains just yeah and each one of those individuals contributed a piece of artwork to the book so that not only do they have their story they have a representation of how they express that and how they've kind of come out of the ashes as the phoenix and moved forward and so it's just yeah i was just gonna ask is so was the book really coming from a place of you doing this or you trying to provide an opportunity for them as individuals to express that? Is uh, is that book, what you were saying? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So the book, um, I, I had it in gestation, as they say, for quite a long time. And it mm-hmm. took my father's passing. And honestly, I mean, I, I'm very outward about my faith. It also took me being baptized and kind of moving into another space in my spirituality and it just came out. I mean, I think between the time that I actually sat down with the manuscript and the time it was published was less than six months, including getting those individual stories and artwork. It just, it became consuming in my life. But Mm. when we, so there was a funny story when we first decided to write the book, what ended, or when I first decided to write the book, um, I would just stay up and I would just sit there and, and it felt like it just came through me <laughs> more than yes. through me. And yeah. as that was happening, um, I sat down with the individuals that I had selected to contribute art and, you know, kind of their own spin to things. And we did a lottery where I put all of the chapter titles, the little um, words like hope is, you know, transformation, hope is, you know, courage, all of those little things. I put those mm-hmm. little words on pieces of paper and put them down on a table and then invited everyone in. 
And normally mm-hmm. in a situation like that, you'd think that there's going to be a, but I really wanted that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had an idea for this. Somehow, mm-hmm. somehow when we went around the table, everyone got exactly what they wanted. Oh, wow. And that's it, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was one of those like goosebumps sort of moments because it was an indication that I was purely facilitating. I was just there to help them tell their story and to hold space for them. And that became a theme in my life. Like it's not me doing it. It is literally just me showing up for people where they are, Mm -hmm. meeting them at their level of life and holding space. And that is really created where I am today, both with the blog and, and with my life in general, everything comes back to the ability to be a facilitator. I'm not, I'm not the change. I am the individual who will sit there and help you process so that you can create the change in yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Can we, can we like pull that out right there? (laughs) Like I almost want you to say that again, just say it one more time because I feel like that's so impactful for me. Um, Oh, sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I would say that, that, Oh, the the key to the key to this is that I I believe that I'm a facilitator, so I am not the change for someone, but I help to inspire the change that they experience in themselves. Everyone yeah. has the ability to change and transform their lives from the inside out, but sometimes they just need a support system and somebody to ask the right questions, to honor their emotions, to help yeah. them to understand that it is actually possible. So many people yeah. don't believe change is possible in their life, especially when they're healing, going through a grief yeah. struggle or an abusive relationship or anything that causes distress. They just believe yeah. that they're stuck because all we can see is the clouds in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And then that's where... Go ahead, David. Sorry. Oh, I was just... Uh, I was thinking about... I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about... Um, grief and death and how in mm-hmm. American Western culture, we, we treat it very differently than most other places in the world. Like if you go to yeah. a funeral here, we're just like silent and they're like, Oh, she's handling it so well. But if you go somewhere else, like in the middle East or something, there's like wailing and, you know, just loud, mm-hmm. you know, people working through that. Um, and I just find that fascinating. And also, I, in a kind of a personal story, when I was younger, I had, a friend of mine passed away. And, and I will never, ever forget his mom doing the viewing because you could hear her mm-hmm. from outside the building, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's so funny how we've decided that it's not okay to, to show these emotions and to like work through this grief. And, and so I think it's really cool that you're providing that space to help people, help people work through that. Because it's not something that comes so, naturally in our culture. No, and here's the funny thing. So I, I am going to do a little scripture for just a second. And for those that aren't familiar with the passage, I encourage you to just look it over. But the best example of mourning in in all of creation is Jesus outside Lazarus' tomb. Because mm-hmm. not only does he show up for the individuals that he considers friends, but he considers the individual who has lost Lazarus, his friend. And he shows us weeping. He, he literally signs off on it being okay to experience sadness, to mourn, to understand that when you love, you will feel a mm-hmm. sense of loss because anytime mm-hmm. you feel lost, that means, that means a person impacted you. So there, mm-hmm. there is beauty in it. We just aren't going to mm. see it in the first few phases. You need to you need to just show up and say, this hurts. I don't understand it. I, I'm working through it. I need my space. It has changed me. Those things are okay. People need to hear that those things are okay because I can't tell you how many times in grief facilitation, I've sat in a room full of people in one of our 13-week sessions and I have heard them say, I'm being pushed to be okay. I'm asked constantly, when will you be over this? And how much it hurts me to hear that mm. because from an outside perspective, it's actually a selfish question. If we think about it, let's, let's call it what it is. When you tell someone, when are you going to be over this? What mm. you're really saying is, when are you going to stop inconveniencing my life and making me feel mm. uncomfortable? Mm. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> and so no. I, I really stand up in, in support of those individuals because 
every journey is unique. And I will tell you, anytime you lose someone that you love at such a level, you will feel lost and, and it will change you for the rest of your life. It's not to say that you won't find joy. You will experience joy again. You will move forward. You will have a greater sense of self and gifts that are unlocked and things will positively happen in your life, but you mm. won't be the same. You just won't. Mm. And it's okay mm. to take the time you need to heal and process because you're the only one that can. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody can force feed or baby feed you lost. You have to allow yourself to go through that process. Yes. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think it's so Bad. cool too that you're, you're like becoming yeah, a piece of your, uh, like your dad, right? Like you're creating that space where, mm-hmm. where you were saying earlier, where he, he created that space always for everyone. And you're an extension of that. And I think that is a good reminder and inspiration to be a good parent because your kids are becoming more like we don't, I mean, we have some choices, but (laughs) there's a lot of DNA there driving you in that direction. (laughs) Well, and what, what legacy would we like to leave for our children? I personally would love for my daughter, well, my, my three kids, I'd love for my youngest right now, as I'm helping to shape her emotions to understand that, that mama was empathetic. Mama expressed Mm -hmm. herself, you know, mama was strong, but strong doesn't mean that we have to hide things. In fact, I find mm-hmm. the greatest strength in those that are able to process and be so authentic with where they are. I, I've been in rooms full of tears and anger and so many emotions over the years as I've you know, facilitated these groups. Yeah. What I can say is that brought about the best catharsis. It helped people to move forward. It set an amazing example for those that weren't willing to open up because they thought they would be somehow an outcast or unusual. Like It gives them permission to be real. And I'd love my kids to be real. I I just want them to know that they are valid, they're loved, and that they should be good. Like kindness is our favorite currency in the house. And I still believe that. Yeah. But at the same time, not, uh, it's really hard. I catch myself fairly often, uh, just the cultural norms of parenting and what you're used to. And that, I mean, my parents were amazing and very thankful, but just things like, it's okay to be angry about this thing. It's okay to be sad about this thing and not, squashing that immediately and being like, oh, you shouldn't be mad about that, you know. Because uh, it's yeah. the first reaction for a lot of folks. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a funny there's a funny saying. I think Cheryl will love this one. Uh, I don't remember the origin of it. I believe it's Native American, and I'm sorry if anybody in the audience does understand where it's from, but I'll, I'll give a brief paraphrase. So the, the teacher and his student were sitting around a fire. And the teacher is kind of doing one of those whooshy long beard pulls. You know, you see in the movies, like sitting there and just relaxing. I love this image. So I love it. But he's sitting there. Yeah, it's very cool. So he was sitting there doing that and reflecting, you know, he's in his zen. And the student seems very agitated. He's like, master, I don't understand. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything to, to teach these people because he's talking about his students. He's kind of moving up through the, the pieces. And. He's, he's like, I don't get it. I'm telling them how to avoid struggle. I am telling them how to do it right. I am telling them how they can, you know, avoid the things that I have done. He's, he's just professing. He's like, I don't get why they don't listen to me. And the master smiles and looks at him and says, oh, young one, you are stealing their lessons. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that because there are so many things that as much as we want to safeguard our friends, our family, our kids from them, they're only going to learn when when they go through experience. And we have to allow some of those stumbles, those things to happen. But just be there as that, that net, that hug, that support when it does. And <laughs> it's a constant reminder of emotions too. We can't, we can't script or control the emotions of others no matter how much we may wish to. Um, they're going to be you know, flawed, crazy, awesome humans all on their own. Yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. What? <laughs> Sorry. I love that laugh. Oh no, I, you have to leave that in. I love that laugh. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, we don't we don't edit anything. This is all real. Um, but no, it's just like all day yesterday just flashed through my brain. No, yeah, the throes of parenting. Oh yes, 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 yes. But it's just yeah. It's whether you're a parent or not. I think that learning. The, the phrase that you've used a few times now, showing up, learning mm-hmm. how to show up for somebody and then learning how to respond 
when somebody shows up for you. Um, I think those are equal (laughs) needs because I mean, I, I think that for myself, when I experienced my first real earth shaking loss, I was an adult. Well, I would have considered myself an adult at the time. (laughs) I think I've done a lot of growing up since. Um, But I think when I experienced my first real sense of loss, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to talk. I didn't know how to listen to others. You just, like like you talked about, you just are in this position of, okay, well, are there physically things that I'm supposed to be doing right now? Or am I supposed to just like curl up in a ball right now? Cause I have lots of instincts right now for what I want to do, but I don't know where to go from here. And I think that responding to, you know, if I didn't have a lot of really incredibly positive and loving people in my life, my husband was definitely a main one, but I had family and friends who were willing to pour into me to just listen to me, to hug me, to go on a car ride and, you know, shout at the top of your lungs or whatever, you know, those different, those different things that you need to do when you're experiencing that loss. And, you know, you need other people, whether it's that one person, but for me as an extroverted extrovert, (laughs) I needed a lot of people. (laughs) I needed a huge, huge group of people. Everyone from like that one person in that small moment that made a big impact to the, the, standing relationships and of my family and close friends who were there every day who prayed for me or who were just great listeners, but they showed up for me and I had to learn how to accept that as part of my healing process. And then now that I feel like I've gone through that process, kind of learning how to see and observe the other side, you know, the signs in somebody else who's mourning who's yes. really struggling. And and so you, you kind of have to learn to say, oh, I wonder if they're going through something that I, you know, similar to what I went through. I wonder if I can speak this truth into their life or, or act out this truth in their life and if that will help them. And then you try that. And, and sometimes it's really well received. And sometimes the other person's like, F you, I don't want to deal with this. Are you kidding right. me? Like, oh, go, totally. go, go away. I'm going to just die in my little hole over here. And you're like, no, no, don't come back out. And, and so, yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, that's, that's like a really random sidetrack, but I think it's just, no, no, it's good. You learn, learning, learning. You have to be willing to learn and go through so, that so that you can both process for yourself, but also so that you can be there for others show up. I like that. I've, I've underlined that like four times now. Well, and Showing you know, it's interesting. And I, I do want to mention because your audience is very diverse. And so I want to speak into your heart. So if you're listening, you know, turn this up because I do mean this. On the one side I've mentioned, you need to be authentic in your own journey. That is absolutely the case. If that means that, you know, for the first week or so, you know, you need to spend more time in just listening to music and smelling clothing and doing the things. It sounds crazy, but if you're, if you're in it, you'll understand mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. If you need yeah. to just own the space and be in the memory, that's all right. The, yeah. the biggest challenge, and I will continue to say this, is you have to be able to recognize when it's become unhealthy. If it is a damage to yourself, if it is a damage to your others, and what I, what I mean by that is your others are the people around you, specifically your kids, your spouse, your, your siblings, you know, the folks in your life. If you are creating harm for yourself or others, two things you need to do. One, you need to reach out to a professional so you can speak about it. You need yeah. to reach out to a therapist, someone who is licensed and is used to grief. There are so many opportunities. If you are ever, ever, and I say this with a lot of deep intent, if you are ever considering hurting yourself, immediately reach out to a suicide hotline, immediately yeah. get the support, rally around it. That is not where you need to go. And I'm speaking to people because when we lose others, we sometimes lose ourselves if we're not careful. And yeah. we need to make sure we're being authentic, but don't use it as an excuse you take a downward spiral. Instead, yes. use it as an opportunity to reach out for hands and hugs and presence with others and get the counseling and support you need. So that's, that's yes. one big, big thing. And I mean that with a lot of love for everybody. 
The other side is exactly what you brought up. So flip the coin. If you are in a space where you are supporting someone and that individual, you know, you don't know exactly how they're dealing with it. A couple of things you probably shouldn't do. One, force them to to smile or to be happy. It's, it's probably not going to mm. be the case. You can inspire it by taking them out to lunch. You can offer to do helpful things. You can say and call. In fact, I encourage you to call and say, I'm just thinking about you. I'm here for you. That is probably the most powerful thing you will ever do. Two simple phrases. I'm thinking of you. I'm here for you. Mm. That way, they, anybody knows that if they need it, open door, open hug, open opportunity, all ready to go. But don't pick up, you know, a, don't pick up a verse, a card, and anything, and think here is the key to you feeling better. This little line right here mm. is going to make everything go away. It's a magic wand, and obviously, you won't be mourning anymore after this experience. Mm. We, we want to do right, and it's okay to send um, cards and be present, but don't expect for there to be a band aid. It's not how mm-hmm. it works. That means we we minimize the loss and the person that they've lost by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, offer to cook them food. Some simple tips. Offer to cook them food. Offer to, to help with errands. Offer childcare for the love of all that is holy. If yes. you have someone who is going through grief, <laughs> offer to do childcare if they have kids. It is huge to be able to let someone just go upstairs and cry in peace or be able to run some errands to the grocery store or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so much you have to take care of. Offer that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just yeah. continue to show support and, you know, watch out for him. If he noticed they're not making an appearance for a while, check in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, encourage, encourage normalcy, but don't force it. And yeah. again, in all situations, always, always, always lean on a certified healthcare professional for, for yeah. any any concerns and any healing that needs to take place. Because even in, in my line of, of work with grief facilitation, so we do griefshare.org. If anybody needs it, griefshare.org is where you find a group in your area that is, you can step right into it. Um, you learn tips and you have to understand what is what is expected and how you process and, and what is to come. That's an excellent resource. You get in a group with other folks and come alongside them. It's just facilitation. The process, the journey, the healing will still be within you. It is still your your need, your your job to to work through it. And uh, so, yeah, I just want to make sure both yeah. sides of the coin were addressed because we get those questions so often. Well, and I think that I have something that's kind of on point with that, but I don't want to dive too far into it. Um, so I'll try and keep it share short. <laughs> but I think that when... <laughs> I heard that. that I'm just saying. Hashtag people. Put it. Get, make it go viral. Love it. Hashtag Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that it, there is something to be said about that other side of support. Um, I think that there are people who are so naturally empathetic and are such um, born uh, caretakers that I think that, that there's also this part of me that wants to encourage, um, those who are so willing to jump into a position of support, um, when somebody is going through loss and to, to, um, just remind them of that facilitator position that they are not responsible for the healing. That it is no way their job um, that that there that nothing has been placed on them. So if there's a parent for a child, um, or unfortunately, what if a child is caring for an elderly parent? You know, what, whatever the relationship is, best friend, um, neighbor, coworker. If you are that person who naturally is gifted in saying, "I want to be there for that other person," um, it's like I almost want to encourage them to say that that's that's beautiful and that's not something that a lot of people have so go for it you know if you're that person who who starts the um the food chain you know getting people to bring meals a couple times a week or if you're that person who naturally wants to go to the other person's house and just say hey i'm taking care of your kids you know get out of the house get some fresh air whatever if you're the person that naturally does that then that's amazing because you're such a unique person especially in this culture but at the same time that is that is not meant to be a burden on you. Um, it is still the mm. responsibility of that individual who is mourning, who is going through that loss process, 
um, it is still their responsibility to say, I need help. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and I, so much and so. I don't, yeah. And I don't want to, I don't, again, I don't want to shift responsibility because I mean, obviously if you're going through loss, you need support. You, you have to have support. Um, but you also have to be willing to just raise your hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, Is there so, a better way to say that so that it's more encouraging? Because it's, I also, you know what I mean? Do you know what the question I'm kind of asking? Okay. I do. So if you what, can, I, what I would say to that is I would say when you go into a space where you feel a prompting to support others, remember you are not there to fix it. You are, mm-hmm. you are there to show up. Literally, mm-hmm. it, is, it is your presence. It is for them to determine how you show up, whether that's, hey, can you help me make lasagna? I don't have any food in the house. I don't feel like cooking. Or is it, you know, I just want to take a walk in the park and I want to have, you know, a little privacy to cry. Whatever it is. Or, hey, I could use some joy right now. Everything is very somber. And I'm feeling like people are going to judge me if I go out and I laugh. I got to tell you, mm-hmm. laughter really is the best medicine. If you're feeling that, don't feel, don't feel judged for it. But I, I think what you're, what you're getting at is understanding the swim lane that you live in, mm-hmm. embracing the gifts that you have to carry it out, but not yeah. worrying about fixing or structuring or scripting the things that are going on around you. Every person has their own path under heaven and every person needs to, you know, that's, that's plenty for a lifetime. Let's face it. That is plenty for a lifetime. You just have that one, that one person yeah. you're responsible for fully. Um, yeah. There is one other thing that you brought up that I think is so incredibly insightful and I want to shift it, you know, kind of twist it and transform it a little bit in the sense that if you do have giftings, so it could be we have natural giftings. So natural giftings might be an aptitude in math. It could be the ability to write. It could be, you know, a mastery of science. There's there's all sorts of beautiful master, uh, you know, natural giftings that we see in ourselves and our children. Then there's spiritual giftings. And let's unpack that for just a second because spiritual gifts, are inspired through the Holy Spirit and they give us the ability to do things like, you know, have an amazing sense of hospitality, be a shepherd, um, have wisdom, have incredible faith. We all have them. Mine are faith, mercy, and wisdom and shepherding because <laughs> apparently I had like a four-way tie. But uh, <laughs> if you go on to, and I would encourage, <laughs> it's really funny, you know, I can never just see one thing. None of us are, but if you go on to, I believe if you Google either, either spiritual gifts test or spiritual gifts assessment, if there's one shred of homework I would give everyone, it would be to, to go on and figure out what those are. Because what that does is it takes things that maybe you, you never knew if you'd be good at. Like, oh my gosh, my friend is an amazing hostess. I just don't know how I'm going to rise to that occasion, no matter how much Pinterest I consume. And if you realize you <laughs> don't score very highly in that, don't give yourself too much pressure. Do the best you can. But maybe you discover then in, in exchange, oh wow, I, you know, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have always had a gifting for mercy. I do feel very strongly about people's well-being and I am called to the plight of those that are in suffering. It sort of solidifies where you should focus your energies because we do have, you know, <laughs> we have busy lives and spiritual mm-hmm. gifts help us to unlock the ability to see more in ourselves. So if you feel a prompting, go on, check that out. It is super helpful, both in your career and your life, because if you realize what your spiritual gifts are, you can understand how you relate to other people, where you fit into a group, what you can do for your community and how you can continue to grow in yourself. And yeah. the reason I mention that is not everyone, and let me clear the slate here, not everyone is great at supporting others. That is okay. It really yeah. is okay. We're not yeah. all designed to be little carbon copies. Some of us will be the one that comes in quietly and helps them get their finances in order because that's where our yeah. gifting is. And someone yeah. else is the one that is the hugger with the Kleenex. That's all okay. Everybody has their purpose. Yeah. And, and I just want to put that out there because I don't want everyone to feel an immense amount of pressure. And no. the final thing, <laughs> the final thing that I would say on the healing side, because of course, you know, it's just in my, my head, is when we look at opportunities for grief, grief begins at the moment of impact. And what that mm. is, is the moment that you get a diagnosis, the moment that you understand a loss is inevitable or has taken place, um, when the moment of impact is so crucial. People overlook it because it is often, let's say that you find out that your, your parent has Alzheimer's 
that's a moment of impact because you know there's an inevitability for what is about to take place and what the outcome will be. Mm-hmm. And people undermine that a little bit. They don't show up maybe as much in that moment when really that, that grief journey has started for someone. Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah. they're, they're grieving the role, the loss of someone. The other thing, you know, with, with all of that, when you're in this healing cycle and you're kind of going from that moment of impact, is it isn't always just the loss of loved ones. So I can, I can lighten it up a little bit and say, grief happens from everything from a bad haircut. Let's face it, ladies, especially the bangs didn't work. They're going to have to grow out. <laughs> you know, there is grief what? associated with that. We'll be pinning it back for six months. Well, we're dealing, you know, coming alongside your girlfriends in that moment and complimenting them is important. Grief could be the yeah. loss of a job. Grief can be, you know, yeah. the, it can be so many different things. I want to lighten it up mm-hmm. and just say that the same kinds of support in different degrees is important. So let's all just kind of be good to each other, shelf where we need to. And it helps to inspire hope in others. They're not alone. They have resources. There's a brighter day yeah. ahead. And, and they can kind of trust and believe in, in themselves to move forward in a positive way. So, Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important because it's the little things that sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes help prepare you for the larger things. And so if we are looking at life yes. in that way and saying, you know, I mean, I think about, I, I don't want to focus too much on being a parent because, you know, obviously not everyone's a parent and not everyone's going to be a parent. Um, but I think that right. there's obviously those moments in life when you're sitting next to somebody and they're bummed about something, you know, um, I think jobs are a perfect example um, or going what school you're going to go to. You know, you talk to a lot of younger people and they're not sure what job they're going to have or what school. And there's there's just lots of opportunities, I guess, for for loss and acknowledging that, like you said, um, gets that process going in them as well as yourself as far as acknowledging it, just saying, oh, wow, you had an expectation for something, you know, you wanted to get into that school and they said, no, so that sucks, man, what a bummer, you know, what are you going to do, you know, what are you going to do now? And listening to them as they process through how they had that expectation of going to that school and, you know, they, they applied to another school or are they going to take a year off? And I'm, I'm digressing, but you know what I'm talking about. Basically, yeah, absolutely. starting that process and maybe something that is, you know, significant to that person, but isn't maybe life altering in a huge way um, as far as maybe losing somebody who's extremely close to you um, or a, you know, a huge world, you know, kind of event. So anyway, so with, is with that, that, yeah, go ahead. You'll say it better oh, than no, I apologize. No, I was just saying it's what I call grief training wheels. So Training wheels. You know, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, the the loss of the loss of a goldfish, um, you know, kids losing a stuffed animal on a trip. These are great mm-hmm. opportunities um, for our young selves. So whether you are a parent and aunt and uncle, you have association with kids. It is still a pretty broad audience. But even in ourselves, when we notice, because we have plenty. Let's face it, there's got to be adults in our lives who haven't experienced a dramatic loss. God bless, mm-hmm. you know, like that's awesome. But that also means that it is still inevitable. You know, it, it is just yeah. part of the life cycle. It's a season. But what I say to that is grief training wheels is what we've been given the ability to have small setbacks and disappointment. We can choose to be resilient and hopeful. We can choose to be helpful. We can choose to do those sorts of things and we can set a tone for those around us. So we're all just living as the opportunity to be a great example. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean we're going to be, we're going to get it right all the time. But if we look at it in that regard, there's a lot of ways that we can continue healing because I think one of the greatest passions that I have is recognizing hurt people. And the reason I say that is if you recognize that someone is hurting, you, you start to show up for them, but you also understand that, you know, in this imperfect space, that hope needs to be applied because at the end of the day, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you know, if you can get ahead of that and we as a society can be more open-hearted, open-minded. And I know I'm going a little high on this one, but if, if we can use it as an overarching principle of showing up for each other, being supportive, being kind, there's very simple things that we can do to just overall make the world a more hopeful and awesome place to live in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, gosh, I mean, I feel like you've given us so many great practical pieces of advice, but if you were to, um, if you were to have a meeting with somebody who is brand new to all of these concepts, um, I mean, not just in loss, but I mean, as far as, okay, well, how do I start mm-hmm. living out my purpose? How do I start yeah. living out who I've been created to be? Um, you know, I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to done do. I, you know, I got up, I go to school or I go to work. I live my life. I come home, but I know I'm missing something. I know I'm not really being who I could be. Uh, what's, what's some extremely practical or one, two, three steps that you might encourage in somebody like that? Yeah, no, I have actually had the privilege of working with individuals, the small business owners, those changing career paths, um, coming out of college. Lots of people fall into my path that are looking for mentorship and guidance because I've had such a diverse career. And what I say to those people is actually pretty straightforward. The first thing, (laughs) and it's not comfortable, it's not easy, but it is simple. Be still and listen. The very first Mm -hmm. thing you do you know, we, you cannot listen if the clutter in your head or the activity of your life is at such a pace that it drowns out the simplicity of logic, like the, the promptings of the soul. Be still and listen. At the heart of it, and I'm going to be, you know, very simple in this, God calls you. God is, he's always on the line. Like he's always there. He calls you. It's whether, did, did you pick up the phone and hold space for him? Did you, did you listen to what's going on? So be still and listen to your spirit. Listen to what's, what feels right and understand mm-hmm. that you, you have it within you to determine where your path goes. If things mm-hmm. are, are not working out for you in a certain, you know, job trajectory or you're feeling pressure from family on certain things, be still and listen to your heart. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, move forward and honor that. The more you are still, the more you are listening, the more you have the opportunity to learn and to transform. So that's the first mm-hmm. one. And that's good for everybody, no matter where they are. If you find 15 minutes today, you can pause and be still and listen. You are ahead of the game, my friend. The, mm-hmm. the second thing is go on to the spiritual gifts assessment. I really, really, really believe that's a lot of reallys, even for an English major. Um, <laughs> how... <laughs> how important i believe how important it is to understand who we are and how we are uniquely um woven the mm-hmm. understanding you know what are your gifts if you like cosmo surveys honey you are going to love the spiritual gifts assessment because it is going to help you understand what you have within yourself that will spark your life and it helps you to discern discernment is beautiful saying no to things that don't serve you and don't line up is just as powerful as saying yes to opportunities. So go Mm -hmm. take a look at the spiritual gifts assessment. It's also a gift to yourself. Like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing in these areas. Isn't that such a nice compliment to feel like, ah, I do have a gifting for these things or I'd never considered that. You know, I didn't realize that. Yes, I'm actually quite good at that. It's really, really Mm -hmm. helpful whether you volunteer, you work, you're you're in relationships, super, super helpful. And then the third thing, I would say, since you asked me for three, (laughs) the third thing I would say is um, no matter what you do in this world, no matter how you move forward, you get to choose how you face it. No one controls your emotions. No one controls your body. No one controls anything about your life except for you. And Mm. if you are in a space where you are not serving your spirit, your body, your well-being, examine that make changes Mm -hmm. to make sure that you are honoring who you are and where you are because you Mm -hmm. should have the ability to face each day finding some gratitude in some blessing if if you want to you want a very very practical thing um a very wonderful woman by the name of heidi guest who i had the privilege of working with who is amazing she's on qvc she's worked with philosophy one of the most charming women i will ever encounter she always encouraged people to go on a gratitude walk. Gratitude was her jam. And hmm. she encouraged everyone to walk around their area and say, I am, you know, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for the air I breathe, the house, you know, to that level. I'm thankful yes. I got through traffic today. The more that we hold space for gratitude, whether you, whether you know it or not, your mind cannot, and I challenge everyone, you cannot hold a negative thought in your mind at the same time you are holding gratitude. It is physically impossible. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. as, as you, as you have that opportunity, if you, if you face the day with a level of gratitude, you're honoring where you are, it's going to be just, it's going to be better for everyone. And it takes practice. It really, really takes practice. Yeah. We all, we all, yeah. you know, we're not going to be perfect at it right away. It's okay. No. But yeah, that's, that's three and a little bonus extra. So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk with us today. And I really hope that the um, some of the people listening got a chance to um, relate to some things that you were saying and hopefully pick up a couple of good nuggets to, to practice out in their lives. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank um, you, Sarah. You did, thank you. you did write a book and um, you have a wonderful blog that I subscribe to and I would totally encourage others to do the same. Do you want to give us that information on how they can connect with you further? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, Theworldneedshope.com is the easiest way. You can find out about the blog, my social handles, the book. Um, I'm always putting all sorts of interesting things that are spirit-inspired on there. Um, But yeah, that's my main mode of communication. So thanks for mentioning that. And uh, I would just say thank you, thank you so much to both of you for making time, especially if I'm two espresso shots in today. I have no idea the pace of the conversation I just had. (laughs) I love and appreciate you both so much. And um, I just, I hope that everyone who's listening has found some benefit to it. And I just wish all of you a hopeful, blessed, amazing day. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for checking out our latest episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links and additional info related to this episode. You can find us on the web at theforgottenartproject.com. And we also want to make sure and let you guys know about our Facebook group. Check out our Facebook page and click on the link to our group and we will make sure and add you. It's a great opportunity to continue the conversations that we are having during our interviews. And we would love to have you be a part of it. If you have a great story or you know somebody that has a great story that you think would be a great fit for our show, please feel free to use the contact form on our website or email us at theforgottenartstories at gmail.com. We would love to hear about how you are pursuing what makes you alive. If you'd like to support this project, we've created an opportunity for you to do so. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the forgotten art project. And for as little as a cup of coffee or $4 a month, you can help us move this project forward and get some new equipment. Our first goal really is just to get some nicer equipment. You can hear how nice this microphone sounds. We'd like to get a few more of these so that the audio quality sounds fantastic for all of you folks to hear. We are truly honored to get to share your story.